Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. somewhere and you chose to be here anyway. That's what I'm talking about. Give yourself a round of applause. We've been walking through this series according to Peter. And here's, here's the big goal. This is all we were doing. We're looking at the life of Peter through the Gospels. And then we spent some time with the two letters that he wrote to the New Testament church. We call them First Peter and Second Peter in our Bibles. And we've just been walking through going. And what Peter talked about, we've been talking about. I haven't tried to push any agenda. I haven't tried to set the stage in any way. We've just been going line by line. And if Peter talks about it, I do my best to explain it to you. And uh, I got great news or bad news, depending on how you look at it for you today. Today is the final week. We are concluding a court. Thank you. (laughs) 16 weeks on according to Peter. Is, uh, is, is enough, and I'm excited about um, what we get to talk about today. As I was preparing for this, for this week, knowing it was the end, I had this thought, this is the last thing that Peter says to the church. Think about that just for a second. A man who walked with Jesus, and then for 30 years walked with the Holy Spirit, wrote these letters to the church, and we come to the very end of this letter in 2 Peter, and we find those final things. Now listen, Peter could have ended this letter in a number of ways. He could have, he could have corrected us to tell us that all the ways we still don't measure up, right? We could have gotten to chapter 3, and it would have said, hey, almost but not quite. Um, we could have, he could have ended it in the way that said, man, let me encourage you for a little bit and tell us all the things and all the ways that you're amazing. He could have said, hey, you're going to do great things. But he doesn't do that. Instead, he chooses to remind us today. And you're saying, well, what, Pastor John, remind us of what? There's a bridge out ahead. That's what he tells us today. There's a bridge out ahead. Look at your neighbor and say, uh-oh. There's a bridge out ahead. And in, in, you got to put yourself in this, in this story. I read in 2008, there was a 22-year-old motorist outside of Rockford, Illinois, who ignored the posted signs and ignored the barricades that an overpass was closed. And he ended up literally driving off a bridge onto oncoming traffic, landed on a semi before hitting the car that was next to the semi traffic. I mean, that's a bad day. That's a bad day. Ignored the roadblocks, ignored the signs, drove off it anyway. Now, before you get all mad at him and judgmental, just understand this. Almost a year ago to this day, a man drove off a bridge in North Carolina that had been closed and impassable for, get this, nine years. Nine years. Now, he was new to the area and didn't really know his way around and was supposedly following Google Maps. There you go, those of you. Pastor Sean, be careful. (laughs) Pastor Sean, be, be, be careful. The state troopers who found him said this. Watch this. There were no barriers, no warning signs along the washed out roadway. He was just following his GPS and drove right off a bridge. One man ignored what he knew. The other man had no idea But how many of you realize the bridge was out anyway? The bridge was out 
anyway. And I think that's where Peter's at as he rounds the corner and ends this. He, he wants to make sure that both of these things never happen. Well, I want you to know that if no one ever told you there's a bridge out ahead, look at me. There's a bridge out ahead. And if you did know, don't ignore the sign this Bible that's trying to tell you and help you take a different route. You say, well, Pastor Don, what bridge is Peter talking about? All throughout scripture. Matter of fact, there was over 40 authors that combine their writings to be what we have in our Bible today. 25%, one out of every four of these authors talk about a day of judgment. It's called the day of the Lord. Several New Testament authors, Peter being one of them, and even Jesus himself describes this pending day of judgment for the ungodly. And here we are, now Peter is too. And I had the same thought as I'm preparing for this message that you're having right now. Oh, Pastor Don, I was hoping today would be a a great day and a joy-filled day and this is going to be amazing. And now you're telling me we're going to talk about judgment and things that are happening. Listen, this is Peter's word And whether you like it or not, whether you know it or whether you don't know it, there's a bridge that's out ahead. And I know you may be here for the first time and thinking, I just wanted to come and check this out. And everybody's told me how good looking the pastor is. And and I've been really wanting to hear an encouraging message. My, My life is this. Listen, if this does become your church, this is the promise that I can make you. I will teach you what this book says, when it says it, and how it says it. And we're going to have that kind of Sunday today. I need you to know that there's a day coming when all of humanity will be judged, held accountable, and the ungodly will be punished for all of eternity. Now, Peter himself takes a very specific approach to talking about that final day, that last day of judgment. And first thing he does in chapter 2, he reminds us of three similar instances of judgment that have already occurred. I'm going I'm to explain them to you in case you're not familiar. He talks about fallen angels. When you read your Bible early on, back in Genesis, it talks about creation and the angels that were there for all of eternity worshiping God. One of those angels was responsible for worship. His name was Lucifer. And Lucifer got it into his mind that because he was the worship leader, he was better than God. And there was one-third of all of the angels that followed Lucifer in that rebellion. They were cast out of heaven into hell. How many of you know that's some judgment? Our God is a loving God and a gracious God and worthy to be praised in everything we said today. But he does not tolerate that kind of thing. Peter talks about these, these fallen angels. He, he tells us about a time, we, we know this, this character called Noah, and there was a time when Noah lived where all of the world was so wicked and so ungodly that God, in his judgment, flooded the entire world and every living creature, except for those that Noah and his family saved on the ark, perished in judgment. Wow. And then he tells us a third story. He talks about the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm not going to go into great detail, but the word sodomy comes from this story. There were two angels that went by by God sending into this city to see how wicked it was. And while they were there, the entire city showed up to do some things that ought not be done. And if it weren't, and, and, and Abraham is talking to God and God's saying, listen, if there's, if there's some righteous people here, I won't spare. They found one man, Lot was the only righteous man, and God rescued him and his family, and then with hell, with hellfire and brimstone, 
destroys the entire cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, you know, that's judgment. That's, that's the God we're talking about. The same one that loves you exactly where you are doesn't desire you to stay that way. And he tells the story. This is how Peter starts. These are Peter's words. 2 Peter chapter 2. We're going to cover verse 4, 5, 6, and then skip on to 10. Now don't forget, God had no pity for the angels when they sinned, but threw them into the lowest, darkest dungeon of gloom and locked them in chains where they are firmly held until the judgment of torment. He's reminding us. Verse 5. And he did not spare the former world in the days of Noah when he sent a flood to destroy a depraved world. Verse 6. And don't forget that he reduced to ashes the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, condemning them to ruin and destruction. God appointed them to be examples as to what is coming to the ungodly. There's a bridge out ahead. There's a bridge out Ahead, Verse 10, and this especially applies to those who live their lives despising authorities and who abandon themselves to chasing the depraved lusts of their flesh. The New Living Translation actually says those who follow their own twisted sexual desire. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you just by a little wink or a nod know some people in our world today that are following their own twisted perversions of sexual sin? Pay attention. The bridge is out ahead. There's a day coming. Now listen, every week I'm keenly aware that there are different people from different walks of life that are, that are coming and that attend our services. And there are those that are here today that are just checking it out. Just You're not sure if you want to be a follower of Jesus. Look at my face. I'm glad that you're here. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus to join us in worship on a Sunday morning. But I need you to understand that there's a day coming. There's a bridge out that's ahead. Whether you realize it or not, you're already on a spiritual journey. And if Jesus isn't your Lord and Savior, you're going to fly off this bridge into this day of judgment for the ungodly that Peter's talking about. Listen to me. I'm glad you're here, but only those that follow Jesus will avoid that eternal judgment that he's talking about. I also realize that there are some here today and you've just started building your life as a follower of Jesus. And I love that. I love that. You need to know how important it is to follow the warning signs that exist in this Bible so that you can stay on the right path. I think that's what Peter has in mind for us today. And there are some here today that you've been serving God for a very, very long time. And you need to be reminded that there is a day coming where everything that is wrong in this world will be made right before us. Chapter 3, this is how Peter begins the final chapter of his final letter, the last thing we hear from this disciple who walked with Jesus. He says this, This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of what? Reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come, in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. What's a, what's a scoffer? I'll tell you. A scoffer is the kind of person who doesn't believe what God's word says, and they, they just make fun of it. They treat it like it's nothing. They just, they just scoff. It's like, well, that's nothing. Here you go again. You're talking about that God thing and that Jesus thing. When are you going to leave us alone? Look what Peter says. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? 
For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. In other words, I wake up every day and the sun still comes. I don't believe what you're saying. The sun's going to go down. We can wake up before the sun, look to the east, and we'll see it just like it always has. Nothing has changed. Look what it says. For they deliberately overlook this fact. They're ignoring the sign that the bridge is out and they're going to drive over it. Pay attention to this last part. That the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, that world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. That was Noah's flood. Here's how he ends this section. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. I remember learning as a child, hearing the story of Noah and, and the, two, two, the animals that came two by two and his children that joined with him in the ark. And when the rain subsided and the floodwaters finally, when the rain ended and the floodwaters finally subsided, God put a rainbow in the sky. You remember what that rainbow was for? It was a promise. What was that promise? That never again would God destroy the whole world with water, with a flood. Never again will the waters come as a flood to destroy the earth. And as we're going to see, the day of judgment that is coming isn't coming like a flood with water. How's it coming? Fire. There's a bridge out that's ahead. And the scoffer would say, well, well why the delay then? Why, why not just wipe all the wicked out right now? If everything's so perverse and, and so wicked, then why not just burn everything up right now? Peter moves on in these next two verses, but I have to kind of explain them to you. You might have heard them before. Look at verse 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. I know when you were in school as a kid, you felt like that day in school felt like a thousand years that's not what Peter's talking about here, right? How many of you realize you, you've heard somebody talk about dog years, right? Like, like for every one year as a human, it's like seven years for a dog. Here's what they're saying. After one year, a dog starts acting like a seven-year-old child. After 10 years, acting like a 70-year-old man. How many of you have some 10-year-old dogs that you have to carry around from one point to the other and, and help them, right? That's not what Peter's talking about. This isn't meant to be a statement like that, like somehow time moves at a different but still predictable pace for God. Listen, God is above time. He created time. He made it. He's not bound by its constraints like we are. I love what F.B. Meyer said. He said, he could do in a single day if he chose what he at other times has taken a thousand years to accomplish. All this could be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, in between sunrise and sunset, God could effect the work of a thousand ordinary years. To the scoffer, Peter is saying, since God is above time, we can't try to predict his timing, nor can we accuse him of delay. It's that old preacher that says, God may be slow, but he show. Right? He knows what he's doing. According to Peter, he'd say it this way. Just because you were given today doesn't mean your tomorrow will come like yesterday did. Just because you're here today and living just like you were yesterday does not mean that tomorrow is promised for you like the day you have today. we got to be careful. And here's the second verse. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count 
slowness. That makes a pretty good sign you can put on your kitchen wall, doesn't it? You may have seen that Christian bookstore. God's not slow to, fulfill, to fulfill his promise. Thinking, you know, maybe you think that this verse means that God, God's promises will come true. He's going to come true on his promise to you. And he will. But listen, that promise that he's talking about here isn't that he has a spouse for you. Though I believe he does. This promise doesn't say he's got a good job for you. Though I believe he does. This promise doesn't say that he has a healing for you. Though I believe he does. The promise here is that he has a judgment waiting for you. And instead of thinking that he's slow to bring about that judgment, Peter wants you to think of it this way. He's being patient. He's being patient. What is he being patient for? Verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Look at this. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Say that word with me, repentance. Yeah, we have no right to assume that the timing of an eternal God will fit into our temporary, finite schedules. But the heart of God is this, that you'd come to repentance. That you'd come to repentance. What, is, what does that word repentance mean? It means stop in your sin. Turn to God. Believe in his son Jesus and be reconciled in your relationship with God. That's the only way to take the detour and avoid the bridge that is out. And if you don't, it's like ignoring the sign that is before you driving right around that barricade. And I'm telling you, there's coming a day where the bridge is out and Peter wants to warn us. He wants to remind us. It's as if God is saying this. My wish for you is that you would repent. But my promise is that there's a judgment coming, and if you wait until then, you won't be able to. How many of you wish you were at the sugarcane festival today instead of sitting in church today? I'm just telling you what Peter said. It's my job. I'm going to bring you God's word, right? Your mama made you eat your vegetables. I'm going to make you hear about judgment day. It's in the word. The Bible covers several thousand years of human history. I need you to understand this. Several thousand years of human history and only one time does it ever talk about, does it ever explain a deathbed conversion. You know what I mean by that? Those people who think I've got time. When I lay in my deathbed, when I get to the end of life, I don't know when that is, but God doesn't. And when it comes, then I'm going to get right with God. Look at me. That doesn't go well for you if I go by the stories that I read about in this book. It does not go well. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a what? How many of you think you're going to see it coming? You're not. The Bible says it's going to come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. I think about that. I'm reminded what John says in Revelation chapter 20 about that great white throne judgment where we all stand before the Lord. Here's what he says in Revelation 20 verse 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had wanted to do according to what they had thought about doing, according to what they expected other people would assume that they would do. No, what does it say you're going to be judged for? What you've done, what you've done. Romans 14, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. 
For it is written, he quotes Isaiah here, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. He's saying, listen, the bridge is out. And if you're going to keep on going on that path you're headed, you won't have any time to change course. But I love how Peter puts on his pastoral hat as he turns the corner and ends this letter to us. He's put us on notice. There's not a person in here that cannot tell me, Pastor Don, I did not know that that bridge was out. But look what Peter says. Since all of us here know. Verse 11. Since all these things are, to thus, are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be? And I love that. It's like Peter saying, hey, listen, there's a bridge out. And since that bridge is out, since there's a day when all of this is going to end, since there's a moment where your whole life, the life you've been building, will stand before God and you'll be accountable for everything you've done. Since that day is coming, Peter's asking us this question, what kind of people should you be? And I'm so grateful that you're in a church today that is led by a pastor that would be willing to ask you that same question that Peter did. Hey, if all this is coming, and we can't ignore it. What kind of people should we be? What kind of people? Here's what he says. People in living lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening. Let me help you with that word. It means looking forward to, looking forward to the coming day of the Lord. You mean we can live in such a way that we can actually look forward to that horrible day that's coming? Let's go back to Peter's three examples of judgment. Remember the fallen angels, the, the flood, Sodom and Gomorrah? It gives us a recipe. Let's read it again. It gives us a recipe for what kind of people we need to be. 2.5. And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So what happened to Noah? So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. Look at verse 7. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard. Day after day. Question for you. Are you bothered by what you see in our community? Are you bothered when you read the news stories and you see the wickedness that exists? Are you, are you bothered? Are you troubled? Is there something inside of you that says, no, it shouldn't be this way? That's the kind of person you should be. Not the kind of person that sits there unwilling to confront unwilling to say anything. Let people just do that. If you loved people and you knew they were driving off a cliff, what kind of person would you be? You'd be the kind of person that was bothered by it. You'd be the kind of person that ran up and stood in front and said, stop, you don't understand. You got to go. Yet there are too many Christians here today. Listen, I love you, but there are too many Christians here today that aren't these kind of people. You know what's going to happen. And you love people. But let me tell you something. You may not love them enough to tell them of what's coming. 
And I want you to be the kind of person that not only believes, but that loves enough to do something about what you believed. God told them about the unrighteousness that existed in this world, and he warned them. Lot was bothered by what he saw. You should be watching television and change the channel because the commercial isn't appropriate for your eyes. Well, it's just a commercial. It'll be over in a second. No, it won't. It's going to come like a thief. And you're creating an environment in your household where your kids are going to grow up and think, well, that's just normal. That's how it's going to be. And those things that my mom and papa have been saying, those are just things that old people say when they get to later in life. No, 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 no. Listen, there's a bridge that's out. And if you love the people that God has put you on this world to love, you will say something, you will live something, and you will warn them of what's happening. That's what he's trying to say. Those are the kind of people that we can become. Look at verse 9. This shows us, he tells us these stories, this shows us that the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their sufferings and to punish evil people. Look at this, while they both wait for judgment. What sort of people should we be? We should be people of holiness. We should be bothered by sin and wickedness. We should be people of godliness. We talked about that last week. We should live our lives on the outside as if God really is doing something on the inside. That's, that's living the kind of life that other people can be encouraged by what they see in us. And we should be the kind of people that are waiting for and eagerly looking for that day, the coming day of the Lord. Coming day of the Lord. Now, I know when you drive down these streets and highways around Iberia Parish, you don't speed. Um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because we've got some law enforcement officers that are in the room. And I don't, I don't want you to get in trouble, right? But let's just say you were the kind of person that drives fast on occasion. Maybe when you're in a hurry, when nobody else is around. Maybe you were even doing that one day and you looked up and you saw that cop car sitting right there. And he had his little gun stick it out on you. You remember that feeling you had in your chest? You remember that moment. You remember looking at, is he pulling out? Did he change? Did he, were them lights? Is he pulling out? Now maybe some of you remember that moment because you drive like that, but you remember the day when you looked up and you saw him and your, your heart started to drop, but then you looked at the speedometer and you realized, hey, I'm going the speed limit. Oh, come on. Come at me. Come on, put them lights on. I'd love to meet you. I'm driving the speed limit. Look at me. You can feel like that every day of your life. You can read a passage like this where Peter's saying, stop. Don't do it. The bridge is out. And you can say, I know I've made my reservation. I'm taking the detour that's right up here. I don't have to worry about that day. I look forward to it coming because I'm the kind of person that is living the way this book tells me to live. Last passage, and then we'll close. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, 
Be diligent to be found by him. Look at this. Without spot or blemish and at peace. I love this for three reasons. I'm going to give them to you. Number one, it reminds me that God is looking for me. He hasn't left me. I left him. I left him. I was talking to a man yesterday. I I told him the story. I've told it before. There's an old farmer. When he was young and newly married, he went and bought a 1974 pickup truck. Had three seats on that bench seat in the front. And his wife would ride around town with him everywhere he went. She'd sit right in that middle seat, right next to him, to and from town, to and from town, to and from town. As time would have it, as life would have it, the difficulties of marriage and raising kids and sending them off and lonely, they still making that trip back and forth. But now she's sitting by the window. She looks at him and she says, well, you don't love me like you used to. You never say you love me anymore. What's, what's wrong? The old farmer sitting there driving looks over at her and looks down at that seat. And he says, I haven't moved. I was talking to this man yesterday. And he was saying, I know God is real. And I used to be so close to him, Pastor Don, but I don't, I don't hear him like I used to. I just... Man, if he would just speak to me. And I told him that story, and his eyes rolled back in his head. He said, you're right, Pastor Don. God hasn't moved. I'm the one that's moved. Here's what Peter's saying. You can be found. You can be found. You haven't gone too far. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad, how wicked, how depraved your life has been. I don't know how embarrassed you feel, but God can find you, and not only this, look what the second thing says. I can be found without spot or blemish. When I look at what Peter's been saying to us these last several weeks, it's this. You can build the kind of life as a follower of Jesus that not only makes it easier to push back against the pressures and the pains of this world, because of Jesus, you can actually be cleansed of your sin. You may not realize that today. I'm glad you're here. One, to tell you the bridge is out, but two, to tell you God sent a Savior that will cleanse you. And I'm not talking about just to kind of dust you off and make you presentable for God. I'm talking about to cleanse you bright as white as if you'd never sinned before. First John tells us that the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Hebrews tells us the blood of Christ will cleanse not just our sin, but our consciousness from sinful deeds. You act that way because you think that way. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus can heal your mind too, to where you won't think that way anymore. First Corinthians, a wicked, the church in Corinth was so wicked. Here's what Paul tells him. He says, we can be washed, set apart, and made holy by the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has made. There's a bridge out ahead. Judgment is coming, but God is looking for you. Jesus can cleanse you to be found without spot or blemish. And here's the third thing I'll leave you with today. You can be found at peace. You can be found at peace. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Pastor Don, now now that I know a day of judgment is coming, if I'm honest... I do have spots. 
I do have some blemishes. But I want to be clean. I'm not at peace in my life, but, but man, I sure want to find that peace. There's a bridge out ahead, and the only way to avoid it is to be found clean and at peace. The cleansing of your sin comes by the shed blood of Jesus, believing that he was God's son and applying that to your life. We used to sing a song in church. Maybe we'll sing it one day. Oh, precious is that flow. That makes me, finish it, white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the what? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Can I tell you, church, as you're sitting there with your eyes closed and really taking inventory of your life, there is a peace that surpasses all understanding. It comes from knowing that you fully trust in Jesus. And because of his sacrifice and not your own efforts, one day you're going to stand before God on that judgment day. And here's what scripture says you'll be if you trust and follow and build your life as a follower of Jesus. We'll all stand before God, but there's going to be some of us that stand justified. You know what that word justified means? Just as if I'd never sinned. You can have that kind of life. You can have that kind of peace. Well, Pastor Don, how do, I, how do I do that? I would tell you it's as simple as A, B, C. A, admit. Admit that your sin, your choices, your thinking, your way, your moving has separated you from a righteous and loving God. He has not moved. You have. You need to admit that. B is believe. Believe that God sent his son Jesus to live that sinless life that you couldn't live to pay that price for you that you're going to have to pay one day. Believe that God sent his son Jesus just for you. A is admit, B is believe, C is confess. What are we confessing? We're confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. When you don't have peace, when things are a mess, oh, it's really easy to reach out for a Savior. But it's that Lord part that really matters. God, your way is better than mine. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I'm ready for you to drive. I'm, I'm tired of making decisions for myself. How has that worked out for you? And I hope you're the kind of person today that can admit, that can believe, and is ready to confess. And if you are, i got great news for you. Jesus was having a conversation with a very religious man named Nicodemus man who thought he knew a lot about God and a lot about God's word. And Jesus said, you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you were born again. Those are Jesus' words. He says, well, how's a man going to enter back into the womb of his mother to be born again? He says, no, no, there's a birth that happens by flesh and the, and the breaking of water. And then there's a second birth that happens by the spirit where your dead spirit comes back to life. And here's the good news I have for you today. In order to admit, believe, and confess that Jesus is Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit has done that work in you. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I can admit, I can believe, and I can confess, and I want you to pray with me. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Those of you that are making that decision today to build your life as a follower of Jesus, 
With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to raise your hand and look up at me so I know who I'm praying with today. The bridge is out, but I'm ready to take that detour. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Thank you, sir. I'm glad you came today. You're on a new path. You're on a new path. Anybody else? Yes, sir. I see you. He's going to empower you, not just to end those things that you're trying to walk away from, but to be able to walk in a fullness of life. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Still looking. Proud of you. You ready? Let's do it. Up in the balcony, I'm looking. I see your hand. Christians, we're praying. This is God's moving. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand too. One more time and then I'll pray. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this opportunity. If you've raised your hand, you can put it down. If I haven't, if I haven't raised my hand, I'm going to put it up right now. Those of you that raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to say this prayer with me. It's not the prayer that saves you. Jesus has saved you. Church, let's say this together with all those who have raised their hand. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's celebrate with those who are born again today.